Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for 11-25-07, November 25th, 2007. And today's first topic is, we're going to just be trying to cover a whole bunch of, a little bit of shorter topics today. Uh, I had a lot of these other smaller articles kind of build up, so we'll see how many we can kind of get through today. This is kind of similar to the format that I used to go by a lot, and I just wanted to kind of catch us up on some of these these current event issues that are uh, coming at us. This first one is entitled... Is prosperity a blessing from God or a crime? Now, this is actually from the Los Angeles Times from November 12th, so this just came out. And it talks about a Senate investigation into the use of donations at megachurches. And uh, there's one particular reverend that is resisting this uh, as far as high profile. And his name is Reverend Creflo Dollar. (laughs) So... His last name is actually Dollar, and, and it's spelled like it sounds in the whole nine yards, so it's pretty appropriate for him. We're going to start this article out, and this is from Atlanta, evidently that's where his uh, church is. In Reverend Dollar's chapel last week, a man in jeans and a baseball jersey bowed his head and opened his wallet. In front of him, a woman in nursing scrubs leaned onto her Bible to write a check. And when the congregation stood up in prayer, some speaking in tongues, waving collection envelopes in the air. Now this is very, very typical what you get into these hyper-charismatic type of churches. Uh, It's pretty much the same in all of these types of churches that I've ever been in. And you notice, you know, there's there's really no, evidently no dress code. This guy's got jeans, a baseball jersey, and uh, one lady's wearing nursing scrubs, and it turns into a big emotional issue. And they get you fired up through your emotions, through your heart, and the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In Jeremiah 17, 9. And we have to be so careful in this type of situation because if you are putting yourself under this man's teaching, and he is a devil, there is no doubt about it, okay? We're going to prove that, and I can send you a lot of confirmation on Creflo Dollar. I've put out whole emails on him. If you're in a church like this, and you're putting yourself under a devil's teaching, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, don't think it will not affect you. Don't think that you'll just be able to stay in that week in and week out and it not affect you. Because a lot of people are in these churches, and they say, well, yeah, but I'm going to try to change it from the inside out. Well, the problem is, is the foundation of that church has already been corrupted, and essentially is on its way to being destroyed. And the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Proverbs 11.3. So, if the foundation is already destroyed, it's pretty much a pointless thing. So, if we go further, it says, Creflo A. Dollar, Senior Pastor of World Changers Church International. Notice that has a nice, real biblical name, too. Preaches that God will reward the faithful with material riches. Now, I don't ever remember Jesus preaching that. That's the only problem. I just don't remember hearing that. It is a gospel that has won the flamboyant preacher a 25,000 strong congregation, a Rolls Royce, a multi-million dollar mansion, and a private Gulfstream 3 jet. This guy is rolling in the money, as all these televangelists are doing. And the supposed Christians out there I should say pseudo-Christians, because I don't believe the vast majority of these people could possibly be saved. Because if the Holy Spirit lived inside them, why didn't He at some point finally lead them out of this? I I used to be a Pentecostal. I used to go in for this. That was what I was saved into. It's all I ever knew for a time. But God led me out of it. And what I don't understand with so many of these people that stay in it year after year, is if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, why hasn't He shown you the truth and led you out of this by now? Some of these people have been in this, you know, their whole life. It just, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. Not to say that he couldn't do it tomorrow, lead you out. But the Bible talks about examining yourself to see if you be in the faith. And and the Holy Spirit will give you discernment in these types of things. And the information regarding these types of reverends and ministers and apostates 
is so overwhelming and so well documented. Most of the time, all you really need to have is their own quotes to, to prove what kind of devil that you're dealing with here. Goes on to say, now a Senate committee is investigating whether Dollar and leaders of several other megachurches have illegally used donations to fund opulent lifestyles. In a move that some contend would violate the separation of church and state, Senate uh, Charles Grassley of Iowa, ranking member of the Senate Finance Committee, has sent letters to six high-profile megachurches, including Dollars in College Park, Georgia requesting that they hand over records, salaries, expense accounts, credit cards, uh, cars, and airplanes. Grassley says, Jesus came into this into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. Do these ministers really need Bentleys and Rolls Royces to spread the gospel? No, it's, it's a good point. Uh, the Bible also says the Son of Man hath nowhere to even lay his head. You know, foxes have holes, birds have their nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to even lay his head. Okay, that's what Jesus said about himself. So Jesus wasn't walking around and all kind of high dollar finance, he never set that as an example, ever. I mean, he said more glowing things about the poor and the weak and the widows, and so does the Bible, the meek of the earth, and these types of things, than he ever said about the rich. What did he say about the rich? I mean, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, these types of things, that it's, that it's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And then we have the parable of Lazarus, which is actually, I believe, a real name because it actually gives exact names. And most parables that he said didn't give real names. He just talked about a person in general. Well, when we talk about Lazarus and the rich man, we're talking about real names. And the rich man, when he lift up his, when he lift up his eyes in hell, you know, there's all there, 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 the, the other parable where it talks about the man that had stored up the grain and done all these things. You know, and thought that and he was trusting in these uncertain riches. So, you know, I don't just don't see in the Bible where Jesus had anything but condemnation for the rich man. Now, I'm not saying that a born-again Christian cannot be wealthy, If, but I think what it has to prerequisite there is that the Lord has to be able to trust you with what he gives you. And that if he gives that to you, you need to prove to him that you're going to be a good steward of what he's given you. I think in that circumstance, yes, the Lord could bless somebody abundantly. I mean, obviously, you know, um, David, you know, there was a lot of people in the Bible that, that, that were rich, okay? But I think we need to look at the whole context of things. And for the most part, when somebody gets rich, they get full of pride, and that pride blinds them, and there's no hope of them getting saved at that point. Because they're trusting their riches more than they would ever trust in Jesus Christ. So if we go further, this Senator Grassley has made some specific concerns. For example, he wants Paul and Randy White, pastors of Without Walls International Church, another good biblical name, Without Walls, in, in uh, Tampa, Florida, to document any exempt cosmetic surgery. So they have, uh, they, they've got a lot of plastic surgery, so they've, uh, but they've, they've, I think they said it's tax-exempt. Well, yeah, uh, Doug just informed me. I didn't know who this Paul and Randy White are, but he, but he was familiar with them, and just let me know that yeah, they're they're dressed in the finest of suits, and she's she looks like essentially like a whore. Um, so many of these these uh, women, particularly on you know, and I'm not I'm not condoning the men either, but the women have a certain look about them. So much of the time, I've noticed that um, you know, like Tammy Faye. And, and now Jan Crouch, I, it really looks to me like Jan Crouch took the satanic mantle from Tammy Faye, because they look like, you know, one to another, they look like sisters that, that passed on the, uh, the gauntlet to one another. And so many of these women also have butch short hair, which the Bible talks about that a woman's hair is her, is her glory, and then it also teaches that doesn't nature therefore itself teach us that it is a shame for a man to have long hair? And there's many of the men that actually have long hair, and the women have, have short butch hair. It just doesn't look right. It's not, it's not the biblical um, way that one should look. And it's almost, when I see a woman with really short hair, it's, it's almost as though I, I feel that's a spirit of rebellion 
on her. Now, I'm not going to talk about a woman having short hair and she's not going to have her getting into that stuff. Okay, I'm just saying that the Bible says these types of things. And, um, you know, you just want to be very, very careful about this. Because most of the women in the churches that, that I've been to, um, most of them have very short hair. And it's like, it seems like the older they get, the shorter their hair gets so much of the time. So anyway, um, and I'll probably have to do a whole sermon on that because I'm, I'm sure that's going to tick a lot of people off. But, you know, hey, it's in the Bible. I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do a Bible study on that right now, but we could do a whole Bible study on that easily. And then if we go further, and then uh, Senator Grassley wants Joyce Meyer, who runs Joyce Meyer Ministries from Fenton, Missouri, another good example of a butch haircut, plastic surgery, uh, the finest of clothes. I saw her mansion, her palatial spread the other day. They had they had aerial pictures of it, and it's just it's huge. It's like from the sky. I mean, it's gigantic. This this this, and I, I imagine it's only one of her houses, but. He wants Joyce Myers Ministries to explain the tax-exempt purpose for the $23,000 toilet with marble top that she purchased. 23000 Do you know how much good that could do to widows and orphans? Not only in this country, but across the seas it would do even more good because the dollar goes further in most of these third world countries. 23000 This witch, and yes, I'll call her a witch, has put into this. You have got to be out of your... You talk about no fear of God? $23,000 for a toilet. And that's one thing we know about. But all oh, the women love her. The women love her. Despite all the commands in the Bible where it says a woman, I will suffer not a woman to teach and that she will, she will learn in silence and these types of things. I mean, I don't see one time in the Bible ever where we ever had a woman preacher. Ever. Now, I'm not being chauvinistic. I'm not being... I'm being biblical. The Bible gives the clear qualifications for a pastor, a bishop, and the deacons. And is the husband of one wife, not the wife of one husband. Never. It was such a foregone conclusion that it really wasn't even talked about or debated in the Bible. Because it was a foregone conclusion that this is the way it was. But you've got all these ministries now where women are at the helm. They're at the helm of a ministry. I don't believe God called them to be at the helm of that ministry. I don't. Now, it's one thing if their husband is at the helm and they're helping them, but it's another thing where they're at the head, they've got their own ministries, they've got their own talk shows and these types of things or whatever they're doing on the radio, and they're teaching both men and women. The Bible only talks about women teaching, elderly women teaching the younger women, on these types of things within one another. But it doesn't talk about having, you know, mixed crowds and these types of things. And again, I'm really getting off a rabbit trail here, but it, it, again, th that's very easy to prove biblically. And I can get you, um, I have most of all this documented in Word format. I can get that for you if you email me. My email address is on the uh, website. So then we go on further. Some of the ministers who are not legally required to respond have agreed to submit their tax records by December 6th. Creflo Dollar, however, has taken a stand. Oh, yeah. When it comes to getting into Creflo Dollar's dollars, he's going to take a stand. That's what he's going to take a stand for. He sure is not going to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Or maybe his false pseudo-Jesus that he preaches. He's probably got Jesus driving around in, 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 a, in a Mercedes Benz. Or a Rolls Royce, back in Jerusalem. Who knows how he's duped his followers. And my people love to have it so. That's what the Bible says. Creflo Dollar, however, has taken a stand announcing that he will consult with lawyers to determine whether the request infringes on constitutional protections of religious liberty. It could affect the privacy of every community church in America, he said. Well, let me tell you something, Creflo Dollar. Since the IRS gave you your right to exist as a 501c3 supposed non-profit, and that's a joke, because all these churches are, are profit centers, if you think about it. But since the IRS gave you that right to exist as a 501c3 non-profit corporation, 
Show me, show me that in the Bible. Where we're supposed to take our churches and form corporations with them. Oh, there's a lot of New Testament precedent for that. Oh, yeah. Not one shred where it ever said, in Old or New Testament, where the church is supposed to join up and link up with the government to get their right and permission to exist. Or that, the, or that the pastors are supposed to go out and have to get licenses from the state in order to exist. You look at um, John Bunyan with Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, he went to jail for that one reason, just on the licensing purposes. Much less today, it's so much worse. The churches are so much more linked up. But they go to the cemeteries, these, these pastors, and I'm not saying every single one, okay, I'm just saying the majority, they go to the cemeteries and they get brainwashed and they're thinking, this is the way it's, it's done, this is the way we got to do it, it was good enough for him, so it's good enough for me. They don't check these things out enough. And they go into a leavened system, a corrupted system, that's foundation has been corrupted, and they, most of the time they're not even using the King James Bible, they're using some perversion. And you wonder why the church is in the shape it's in. So since the IRS gave old Creflo his right to exist as a 501c3 non-profit corporation, he shouldn't be contesting privacy issues with the church. See, what he wants to be able to do, he wants to be able to, to fleece the flock and to get rich under the guise of Christianity without being, accounted, without being accountable to anyone. Especially Jesus Christ. He wants to have his cake and eat it too. And none of these devils have any fear of God. They have no fear of God at all. They couldn't. They're hirelings. What is a hireling? A hireling is somebody you hire to do a job. They're doing it for the money. They have no true love for the sheep. That's the definition, essentially, of a hireling. If Satan can be transformed into an angel of light, it is no marvel that his ministers can be transformed into ministers of righteousness. They appear as ministers of righteousness. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their consciences seared with a hot iron. That's where we're living. Doug just informed me of another quote that he just read yesterday regarding Creflo Dollar. And again, this isn't a Creflo Dollar expose. If we did that, we, we would be going over quote after quote from this devil. But he just read a, an article yesterday where Creflo Dollar's come out and made a statement that we are equals as God, with God, as I would assume as pseudo-Christians, what he's in reference to. And then he says, if you have a hard time believing that, just keep repeating it. Well, the reason he would say that is because the Bible says, so is a man, as a man thinketh, so is he. Well, if you keep saying something over and over again, you know, eventually you're going to believe that lie. Okay, if, if it's a lie, now if it's truth, you know, that's another thing. But that's why he would want you to keep saying this over and over. So if we go further... Part of the difficulty, observers say, is that the tax rules have not caught up with the fact that many ministries across the U.S. now operate as corporations. Well, really, in the IRS's eyes, they're all corporations. They're 501c3 nonprofit corporations. And they, and if you don't have your church hierarchy set up this way, the IRS will do it for you. Just ask Dr. Dixon, because they'll come in and they'll say, okay, the pastor is the CEO and the board of directors of the deacons of this corporation, even if you don't have your church supposedly set up that way, the IRS will do it for you. Because you're playing by their rules, because you, you went to them to get your right to exist. You didn't go to God. That's why I do what I do with this Bible study. I don't call it a church or even that. Because I'm not subject to any of that. We're just doing a Bible study here. Okay, I don't want that other stuff. I don't want any of this 501c3 stuff. I don't want to have to go to anybody to get a license. I want to have the liberty and freedom to do as God would call me to do without any restrictions. And if I go and I get these 501c3 statuses and I go to the government to get my, my license to preach and I have to go and do this and get all these like, I am coming under bondage that I'm voluntarily putting myself under and don't think it will not affect me. 
So I'm not trying to hold them to a higher accountability than I would try to hold myself. Because it would it, the same thing would happen to me if I had done it. I'd be, I'd be leavening my ministry and myself the same way they've done. I'm not saying it better. I just thank God I never went into it. So, the megachurch pastors run multi-million dollar enterprises. And this is true. They, these are multi-million dollar, don't think it's not profit. They love having the non-profit status because they don't have to pay the taxes. That was the bait that Satan first put in front of them a long time ago. When this all this start, first started happening, I think back in the 40s. Okay, when, when you know, the uh, IRS started offering all this to the churches. Yeah, you want to pay taxes. But see, that's the bait. That was the bait to the churches. So they would come in and come into this system and become these non-profit 501c3 corporations. So they wouldn't get, you know, and then the people that donated money to the ministry could write it off on their taxes. Which is also totally unbiblical. Show me any New Testament precedent for that. Jesus said, when it came to giving, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's not something you do to be seen among men. He said, when you do it in, in that way, verily you have your reward. You've been seen among men. That's, that's all your reward. You have no reward in heaven. So what is your... And we're going to do, do a teaching in the near future on the whole concept of New Testament giving. Okay, because I think we really need to, to touch on that as well. But these megachurch pastors run multi-million dollar enterprises selling not just Bibles, DVDs, and paintings, but gym memberships, nutrition classes, and the use of banquet facilities. Some refer to themselves not just as pastors, but as CEOs. Well, hey, they're being a little more honest than the average one, because they're all really CEOs in the IRS's eyes. They are taking market principles setting themselves up as corporations, and yet they don't want to be taxed. They don't want to have accountability. Said Frederick Harris, a professor of political science at Columbia University, and I would agree with him 100%. See, he's, this is somebody who's unsaved and undone, and he can see the evil that's going on. He can see the hypocrisies going on. Think that guy's ever going to probably ever have a chance of getting saved? I mean, when people see the hypocrisy from the outside in, do you think that's going to want to make them... I mean, you couldn't get saved in one of these churches anyway. If you, you, there's no way you're going to get saved in Creflo Dollar's church. I just don't believe it's going to happen. I don't believe the Holy Spirit's there, number one, to draw anybody. You might as well write Ichabod over the doorway of that church because the Spirit has departed from these types of churches. There's another spirit or spirits there, small s, calls devils and demons and fallen angels and these types of things, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, there's plenty of that at these churches. You'll get your boatload full, full on that. So, this is this quote, and then, and then this man also goes on to say, they're blurring the line between profit and non-profit. Oh, they're more blurring the line. And think about it. It's the perfect scam that Satan has offered them on a silver platter. And what does it all revolve around? Every bit of what we've just talked, what does it revolve around? The love of money, which the Bible says is the root of all evil. Every bit of this. He came to the churches, Satan did, originally, with this 501c3 deal, through the Internal Revenue Service, which is probably the most wicked faction of our government. Do you realize that not one red cent of what you pay into the IRS goes to run in this country? And that was determined from the Grace Commission that Ronald Reagan appointed when he first went into office, and that was what they told Ronald Reagan, that not one dime or nickel goes that you pay into the IRS goes to run in this country. Not one dime or nickel. It essentially all goes to paying off the debt that has been created because we went off gold and silver currencies. We have no more gold and silver currencies. Our money is printed, and this money that's printed is essentially not even worth the paper that it's printed on, if the truth be known, because there's no gold or silver backing our money anymore. It's a fiction. When you have that type of economy, it creates much debt, inflation, and then there's a lot of interest on this. Our money that you would pay into the IRS goes to paying off this interest that was created 
when the Federal Reserve was created in 1913, which is a privately owned bank that issues essentially our money, which isn't worth the paper it's printed off. God abhors and hates unjust scales and balances, and that's all we have with our currency in this country. And that's Again, that's a whole other study that I don't have time to get into, but... Um, if we go further, though, most nonprofits have to file the IRS 990 forms detailing salary and expenses, religious organizations are exempt. The Internal Revenue Service requires that ministers' compensation be, quote, reasonable, that pastors do not gain excessive compensation from tax exempt work. <laughs> it sure ain't reasonable for, uh, for most of them. Megachurch followers say that those who criticize their pastor's perks do not understand their symbolic value. These brainwashed, most likely on their way to hell sheep, are defending their devil pastors that draw down these types of perks and salaries and planes and Rolls Royces and these types of things. They'll defend them. They're that deluded. Uh, this... Is, this quote is from Democratic State Representative Randall Mangam, a member of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church in Lithonia, Georgia. And uh, I guess he's defending one of the ministers being investigated. He says, now this is from this Democratic State Representative, quote, yes, a minister turns heads when he drives a Bentley. But that's good. It's important for kids to see you don't have to sell drugs to drive a nice car. Now that, I tell you what, that was one of the most biblical statements I've ever read on here. On all the time I've ever, ever been online here, that's got to be one of the most biblical statements I've ever read. I mean, what, I mean, I, I say that very sarcastically, I'm sorry, but that, do, do you believe this? Yeah, he turns heads when he drives a Bentley. But that's good. I mean, I you know I don't even some of these quotes leave you almost speechless. And then Connie Connie Cotton, forty it's forty one years old, a longtime member of World Changers. Now that's Dollars Church, Creflo. She said, "We give our pastor, we give to our pastor because he is a quote true man of God. He needs a jet to go around the world and preach the gospel." End of quote. These people. Are that deluded. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in his word in 2 Thessalonians. That God. In regard to the end times that we're essentially living in right now. That God would send the strong delusion. That they would believe a lie. That they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth. God's going to permit this to happen. It said he's going to be the one sending it. He's weeding out his sheep from the goats. The wheat from the tares. He's shaking everything that can be shaken. Oh, that's really... The, the shaking's really coming in America. Really, the shaking, if you think about it, really hasn't started that much in this country. Because we've had it pretty good up until, you know, this point. Now, it could all change today, but... Um, we've been very blessed in this country, no doubt. Now, other... People in other parts of the world, that may not be the case because I know I, I check the stats on the sermon's audio, and I know there's a lot of people listening to this from even places like China and those types of places. And I praise the Lord that that um that's the case. And I know this may not be the case for you. You may have endured a whole life of suffering, persecution, and affliction. And the Bible talks about these types of people. In Hebrews, where it says, you know, that they were persecuted, and then it, then it goes on to say, of whom the world was not worthy. When I think about people like that, that have suffered for, for the cause of Christ their whole life, and, and have endured infliction, and that's what I think about. I, I think about that verse where it says, of whom the world was not worthy. I really do. And I mean that better than, I mean, you're better than, than my, I haven't had to endure that. Not yet. So, if we go further, Dollar's defiance has won him support from ministers across the nation. Sure it has. Because these other devils that don't want to uh, turn over the records and, and, and give an accountability for their ministries, they're not going to want to do this. They want their cake 
They need it too. They, they want it all. It's the, one of the biggest scams going. I think it's the most grievous scam in God's eyes because they're using the Lord Jesus Christ's name in order to perpetuate the scam. I cannot not imagine the judgment that is going to fall on this, particularly America, in regard to these apostate devil ministries and ministers. Devils in the pool. I can't even imagine. The Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. All I can say is the Lord's very long-suffering and merciful. Because it hasn't happened yet. And I know, though, that that's the only hope for some of these people that are caught up in these systems. They're going to have to see these devils and these ministries destroyed and humbled by God in order to understand, you know what, I, I've, been, I've been buying into, I've been sold a bill of goods here by some man. They've trusted in man. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord in Jeremiah 17, 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. They put their trust in man, which is an abomination in the sight of God. So, that's the only way it's going to happen. Judgment. When God judges this church in America, there's going to be a certain percentage of people that will come out from among her and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. And then it also says in Revelation, Wherefore come out from among her, my people, that ye be not partaker of her plagues. Because if you stay in this system, and especially if you're giving your money into these types of ministries... You're accountable for that money that you're giving in. You need to find a ministry or ministries that how, how should I put this? That that are good soil to to put your money into. They're bearing good fruit. That's the type of ministry you want to sow your money because you're going to be accountable for the money that you give. Man, you, you, you putting your money into these types of ministries, you're feeding the devil's system. Oh, well, no, they, they help orphans and missionaries and all this other stuff. They may do some good. I'm not saying they don't do any good. But the problem is, is their ministry has been totally eleven, And so much of the time, what they say is going to the poor is not going to the poor. You think that, that, that if they're going to lie to you and... and, and, and I mean, we've just talked about so much of the deception already today. You think that if a ministry is going to operate in total deception, like they're doing, you think that they're going to really be putting forth money where they say it's going? They may put on a good show, and they may make you think that, but how could you possibly trust a ministry like this? We're accountable for our actions. Dollars Defiance is one of support for ministries across the nation, many of whom fear that such an investigation could represent a first step toward greater government regulation. You put yourself under that system. Not only is this coming, greater government regulation, when the government or Caesar starts to call in the chips. See, Satan gave them this 501c3 church status, and again, I should stop and say here, I've done several teachings on this. Judas Goats in the Pulpit, um, the 501c3. I, I've done a whole bunch of teachings on this. Okay, You can go and look through my, my, my teachings or I can even email them to you. Where I get into all these issues in detail. But when, when Caesar calls in the chips, see there's, there's a price. Yeah, you've had it your way for a while with, with all the your, your nice 501c3 status. Government hasn't really bothered you that much. You've kind of been able to go along, say maybe what you want to say. You've been able to make a lot of money. You've been able to be, be highly esteemed among men. The Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. But when the government calls in the chips for the privilege of being a 501c3 corporation as a church... When that happens, they will be required to assist FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Association, in quelling dissent across America and to be using, used as places of 
forced vaccinations. These are, these are all things that have been talked about. I've done, I've done teachings on this. I'm not making this stuff up. Enforced vaccinations and in his staging areas, these very same churches, quelling dissent, forced vaccination, and staging areas for civil internment camps, which would be like a concentration camp. Who better to use than a pastor? Oh, well, I trust the pastor. Well, sure, yeah, let your guard down. Go to the churches. They're going to be the very instruments that Satan's going to use the most mightiest. These 501c3 churches that get their right to exist by the government. They're the ones that are going to be used most mightily. You watch. And most subtly. Because wasn't Satan the most subtle beast of the field? And again, see my other, see my other teachings. I've covered all these, these, this subject in depth. This is more of an update than anything else today. Even among those who welcome the scrutiny, arguing that a Senate investigation is long overdue, there is concern that an inquiry could lead to greater oversight of all churches. Oh, I, I guarantee you that's coming. In the 1980s, there was an outcry from religious broadcasting industry when the government held hearings to determine whether tax codes governing ministries needed to be strengthened. After allegations that popular televangelists Jim and Tammy Faye Baker reaped large profits from the PTL, Club, a Christian television program. A House Ways and Means subcommittee eventually decided the laws were adequate. Some church experts say the investigation is part of a broader concern with religious exemption. See, in order to remain, in order to maintain your religious exemption, your 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 tax exempt exemption, so so your people can come there and write you a check, and therefore they can write it off on their taxes so that they can be seen among of all men. Not only does the IRS know what they're given, but the church knows what they're given. Not exactly not letting your right hand know what your left hand's doing. What's your motivation there for that? Write it off on your taxes? For a lot of people, that's exactly, exactly why they do it. And to be seen among all men. Well, verily have your reward. But it says, some church experts say the investigation is part of a broader concern with religious exemption after debates about whether churches should comply with environmental and discrimination laws. Oh, could that have anything to do with the hate crime laws? Where they can basically come in and tell you what you can and can't say in the pulpit? You know what? They have that authority over you right now if you're a 501c3 nonprofit in America. Because there are certain things you shouldn't be talking about. Anything that has to do of swaying somebody in a political way, anything having to do with um, going against uh, the gay people and the sodomites, you're really not supposed to be talking about any of these things. Well, I've heard preachers say, well, bless God, the day they come in and tell me I can't do that today, I'll get out of this. Well, you don't do it that way. You don't go into Satan's camp and get all comfy and cozy and, and get in your 501c3 status and get all these licenses and then all of a sudden decide, well, bless God, I'm going to come out of it. Whatever. You don't do it in the first place, is the whole point there. And these hate crime laws that they're trying to pass are going to make it impossible for preachers. I mean, unless they want to go directly to jail. You know, maybe some of them will finally bow up at the end and and do the right thing. But I think it would have pleased God much more had they just done it from the beginning and not have corrupted their ministry. And have to stand before God ashamed. And I'm not saying that like I think that, you know, I'm so wonderful and perfect and I've done everything right. But this is one thing I believe the Lord's clearly shown me. And it's so obvious when when you look at this thing in totality. So the next thing we're going to cover, I saw this article the other day in our local paper. And it was called Brand Name Worshipping. This kind of relates to this. That's why I'm going to do this in the same little teaching here. And it's entitled, Mega Churches Doing More Entertaining to Get People Through the Doors. And this is a quote from James Twitchell. And this is from his book, Shopping for God. How Christianity went from in your heart to in your face. Brand name worshipping. Now I'm looking at the cover of this book. And it's called Shopping for God. And again, how Christianity went went from in your heart to in your face. And it shows a picture of a plastic pseudo-Jesus doll in a a plastic wrapper with a little thing. And that's the cover of the book. 
Okay? Now, this guy is not saved. Okay? Um, but he's evaluating as a expert on um, advertising and popular culture. He wrote a book called Branded Nations. He's writing an expose, a book on this subject. He's kind of observing from the outside in. So he, this article goes on to say, um, uh, well, let, let's read this first. Coupling the church experience, which promised rapture, with a promised rapture to only a select few, with the excitement of a rock concert, which delivered the goods to, to the many, provided a new kind of church experience. Okay, so this is this, is this outsider's view of this. So what he's saying here is we're, we're combining the rapture with, you know, and rapture to only a select few. And what that does to a lot of people is it starts getting them thinking, well, I'm better because I'm going to be raptured and all you other heathen are going to be left behind and I'm going to be better. I think that's the point he's trying to make there. With the excitement of the rock concert, because that's what a lot of these churches are, they're just like a rock concert environment. It's, it's providing this new type of church experience for people. What in heaven's name has happened to the church? How did the sleepy sermon with hymns and organists suddenly become a multimedia sensory assault with full band, giant screen TV, and a pop music that feels more like Saturday night than Sunday morning? At the risk of sounding blasphemous, Jim Twitchell says, it's all about mass. Now, he's, he's went way beyond blasphemous with just the cover of this book. You know? Really... People like this, what you need to do is really pray, yes, if it be possible, soul be saved, but also the, the fear of God be on these people. Because they have no fear of God. Now, yes, I think him exposing this is probably a good thing. But these people themselves have no fear of God. And why would they if this is the only thing they've ever seen of, of what they know to be the church? Not going to exactly instill fear of God in them. At the risk of sounding blasphemous, Jim Twitchell says, it's all about mass. Not the wine and the wafer variety, but masses of worshipers willing to fill the offering plate. <laughs> See, he knows. In quote, shopping for God, how your Christianity went from in your heart to in your face. Simon and Schuster, it's only $26, Lisa. Might want to pick up a copy. University of Florida's witty expert on an advertising and popular culture gets to the root of the new mega churches, whose pastor penures should be pastor manures. No, pastor penures serve both the top man and the bottom line. Well, isn't this written in such a witty way? I mean, really, this is so. They, they, these pastor penures serve both the top man and the bottom line. The only, they're the only top man they're serving is Satan. They're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. At all. But, you know, evidently he thinks that they are. If you enjoy the daily shows, quote, This Week in God segment, you'll find equal parts of laughter and insight in this ad man's take on religion today. That, you know, that's what we need a little more of today in the churches. A little more laughter and fun and stuff like that. That's what we need more of. You know, I, I just think I need to lighten up. I'm, I'm just a stick in the mud, evidently. Um, going further, competition for congregation members is keen these days, as modern Americans, quote, shop for churches as never before. Now, I had read this one thing, in, in the, the thing about the uh, them putting the ATMs in the churches, they call them automatic tithing machines. Um, we got a whole article on that whole thing. I mean, I've got the pictures of these machines. They, they're from the company that makes them. This is not something I'm making up. And um, there were, I think more than one person there was quoted as saying, you know, listen, this is a big deal for me. Can I go and can I swipe my credit card to go to this church? I want to get my, de my weekly dose of bro cream religion and I want it my way. I want it Burger King. I want it my way and I want it now. And to me, it's a big deal if we have those automatic tithing machines, because I don't like to bring cash. I can swipe my card, feel all whatever during the service, and then go my merry way. I don't have to bring cash. That's a consideration for some of these people that are, quote, shopping for churches as never before. 
Consider this. In 1955, only 4% of adults had moved from the church of their parents, while today the figure stands at 50%. Twitchell observes that since we have no Church of America yet, isn't that ironic? Because if you think about it, that's what's coming. It's called the One World, New World Order Church of the World, Church of the Antichrist. Whether we end up having a Church of America prior to that, I don't know. But that's probably coming, if you think about it. It's, um, hundreds of denominations are essentially selling the same product in what is called a, quote, scramble market. Mega churches, those having more than 2,000 members, now number more than 1,200. In large part because they have redefined the church experience. Right down to their names. Churches have used... Churches used to name themselves in the ways banks did. First Baptist and so forth, says Twitchell. Quote, now, they now name themselves the way shopping malls do or gated communities. End of quote. Pastorpreneurs like Bill Heibel, Willow Creek Church, Willow Creek Community Church, Rick Warren, Saddleback Church, and Joel Olston, Lakewood Church, have amassed younger congregations with their high-tech revamping of the old tent revivals. Behind the scenes, they have another advantage. No church hierarchy to support. And you know what that also means? Further, no accountability. Now, I'm not saying that churches that are multi-level like a lot of the denominational systems are, are good. Because I don't see any New Testament precedent for that either. But these churches don't have any accountability whatsoever. And that's the way they want it. Because then they can take all the money and, you know, keep it. He says they're totally self-contained. Like Las Vegas. <laughs> you know, that's a great comparison and analogy. Sin City. Which, really, in God's eyes, is probably less grievous than what's going on in most of these churches. Because at least Sin City, Las Vegas, is being honest about it. At least they're not trying to really hide the fact that they're Sin City. Whereas the churches are calling themselves good, and, and they're actually evil. And the Bible says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. They're totally self-contained, these churches, like Las Vegas. Everything that happens there, stays there. Hey, you know what? That's the motto for the jesters, which is the most wicked sect of the Freemasons. It's the most highest sect you can go. Did you know that's their, like, their, their motto? I mean, actually their motto is myrrh is king or something like that. They've got, I found this, this um, cup holder, this Masonic, Freemasonic jester cup holder. And the jesters are above the Shriners. The jesters are like the highest of the high. And these guys are as vile as you could possibly get. I mean, the stories that, that I've read about these guys are just unbelievable. And they have this cup holder, and it reminded me of this because it says, what we do here, what we say here, stays here. On this beer koozie cup holder thing they had for sale up on the internet. And it reminded me of this. Because everything that happens there stays there. Within the church. Do you want to say something? Okay, so continuing. Courting the younger demographic is a shrewd move from a marketing perspective. Oh yeah, that, that's what we really need to be worrying about. Marketing perspectives and shrewd moves in regard to spreading the gospel of Christ. The 80 year olds are going to be there no matter what. Now this is a quote from this guy. And the 50-year-olds have already made up their minds what kind of beer they're going to buy. Whatever that means. And then he says, you have to worry about the 18-year-olds. Oh, okay, whatever. He says the 80-year-olds are going to be there no matter what. I, that, that, all I can think of there is the, the whole real cream religion, a little dabble, do you? You know, Go there, feel religious, feel a little spiritual, give some money and have your conscience placated for the week. It's no different than what the Catholics do, if you think about it. It's really no different. Except there's not as much ritual and rigmarole you have to go through. Twitchell, who calls himself a impartial apathist, whatever that is, says the McChurches, which is actually a pretty good statement, I like the McChurches, do something churches haven't done for some time. Entertain. When you go to an old-style church, you don't really know the music. You have to squint to read the hymnal. These churches play the music that people are listening to everywhere, these new ones, these mick churches. You don't even have to know the words. After all, it's your dance music. End of quote. So, let's just go and let's look at a few Bible verses that relate to this. 
uh, James 4, James 4, 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Now, this is when you, in God's eyes, you're an adulterer and adulteress when you have friendship with the world. Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Enmity means like you're basically against God, you're at war with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? See, when you when you're friends when you're friends with the world, do you realize that if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, that that actually makes the Holy Spirit inside you jealous? But the Bible says God is a jealous God. That's why it says that here. Because it's kind of a weird verse if you just read it. But it says, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. Okay, so the thing is, is you don't want to be doing this type of stuff. You don't want to be making God mad. Do you? So if we go further, you know, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. You know, if any man loveth the world, the love of the Father is not in him. These types of things. Um, let's go to Second uh, Corinthians six seventeen. I already quoted this verse. Second Corinthians six seventeen. Well, let's just start fourteen. Be ye not an oak unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord, which is like an agreement, hath Christ with Belial, which is the devil? And what, and what hath he that believeth with an infidel? Well, if you go to one of these mega churches, you got plenty in common, because you're in the world. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. See, the Bible actually refers to us as the temple of the living God. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us now. That's why when Jesus Christ, the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. Okay, The Holy Spirit that at that point was dwelling in that space as the Holy of Holies now was actually available to all of us through the Lord Jesus Christ, through His death, burial, and resurrection and, the shed, and His shed blood. Okay, see, because of that, now we are the temple of the living God. That's why. Whereas before, we didn't have that same access that we have now. To come boldly before the throne of grace, to make our supplications known. And then it says, as God has said, I will dwell in, in them, in them. Not upon, because before, in the Old Testament, it talked about the Holy Spirit being upon someone. But now, they, the Holy Spirit dwells in them. It's a big difference. And walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The Bible also says to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's pretty much what we do here on a weekly basis. We're reproving the unfruitful works of darkness. So I'm going to go ahead and stop there for part one, and uh, we'll go ahead and do some more uh, of the same for part two. God bless you.